Good morning, everyone. Let's all stand and sing our song of praise. I'll fly away. Get your spirit moving, won't it? Thank you. Be seated, if you will. Uh, we welcome each and every one here today, and glad you're present. And those who are viewing online via stream, we thank you for being here with us as well as we worship together and celebrate the Lord and celebrate His goodness and uh, and relish in all that we have. We look to to God for strength. We look to God for guidance and direction for our individual lives as we move forward as as a people together in the midst of all that we're living, living with and dealing with in this uh, society which we have. But uh, thank you for being in and tuning in uh, to worship today. Let's begin with prayer. Father, we thank you that you give us opportunity to be together as a body in Christ, to share together, to relish in all that that we have, not only the friendships and the love and the fellowship that we have one with another, but the friendship and fellowship and love that we have with you as our Abba Father. We worship you, we honor you, we thank you, and we adore you. We ask that you just forgive us of, of those things of our life that may not be pleasing to you so that our lives can be that which is reflective and an image of that which we have been created. We thank you for being our friend. We thank you for being our provider and caregiver. And may all that we do in this day, in this service, be that which lifts you up, blesses your name, and, uh, and magnifies you as God King and, and, and Lord of all. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. 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 
this world reveals and woes to woe. All I once thought gain, I have counted loss, spent and worthless now compared to this. Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best, you're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you. something about when you and I are committed to knowing Jesus. There's something about it when you and I as well uh, realize that in knowing Jesus that it can be sweeter and sweeter as the years and the days go by. Today I want to bring a message that's entitled, A Voice to Our Story. A Voice to Our Story. Now, every one of us have a story and every one of us has a voice. And today, I want us to think about what our story is and what our voice is in everyday life. And we'll look at a psalm in Psalm 55. Now, if you fast forward to Psalm 55, you probably will say, is there not a more uplifting, encouraging psalm that you could have picked out for today? It's not one of those psalms that you're, you're going to be excited about and uh, and reading every day of your life. But it is a psalm filled with much truth and much relevancy to our everyday life when it comes to the emotions that each of us have and the voice that we have given to God in the midst of everyday life. And God understands our emotions. He understands the person we are. He's created us. He knows everything about us. There's nothing hidden from him. When we stand, when we sit, when we lie down, when we sleep, when we go, whether we go as far as the east or to the west, he knows everything about us, as Psalm 139 says. And yet, knowing everything about us, God still loves us and cares for us. 
He still wants a vibrant relationship with us. He wants us to know him more and greater each and every day so that that knowing him becomes sweeter and sweeter from this day forward in our life. Every one of us has a story to tell. Now, every one of us, regardless of what we think, our story is being told. And it's being retold over and over and over again. Now, the voice in that story is something completely different. Now, let me give you an understanding of what I'm talking about. Everyone has a story in life. We have our our everyday story. But the voice in that story says something completely different. All right, let's go back to Scripture for just a moment. You remember the Scripture about the Pharisees who stood on the street corner and they, they publicly displayed their pious attitude for everyone to see and they prayed these loud prayers to impress all those around. That's their voice. All right? Take, for example, you remember uh, Andrew and, and Peter when they all started being called by God and God says, come follow me. Leave everything you're doing. Come follow me. And you remember what one of the disciples did recorded in First John, I mean, in the Gospel of John. It's recorded that he, that he wants to tell his brother something about Jesus. And so he goes back to his brother and he says, man, I found him. I found the Messiah. I found the Lord. And you must come and see for yourself. Again, another voice in the midst of the story. So there's a story to tell in and through our life. You got story after story all throughout the scripture. Do you remember Martha and Mary and Lazarus? You remember that story? And then the voice that came forth from that, from that story, not only was Jesus' voice when he says to Lazarus after he's, he's been dead for over three days and he is beginning to smell And he says to him, come, come forth, Lazarus. Mary and Martha were complaining that Jesus didn't arrive on time because they said if he would have, then then, then their brother would never have died. There's a voice in that story as well. It sounds like complaints, doesn't it? And then when Lazarus comes forth, he comes out of that tomb and he lives his life free after he's unwrapped. And he goes forth. Every one of us has a story and every one of us has a voice in the midst of the story. Is that voice going to be a positive voice or is it going to be a negative voice? Is it a voice that's going to cry out to God in honesty so that we reveal to him the the realness of who we are? Or is it going to be a voice that tries to hide? Is it going to be a voice that gives forth the the flavor of our eagerness and desire to serve God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Or is it going to be a voice that says, when I'm ready and when it's convenient, I will dive into what I need to dive into? Knowing Jesus is sweet. Knowing God is sweet. And him, him, him seeing more and more of our eagerness and our desire to love and follow him is even sweeter. So what is your voice today? 
in the midst of your story of life? What makes your voice heard more than anything else today? Is it that which you, you love? Is it a passion in your life that says to others, there's one thing I can say about him and her, is they love the Lord and they love people. Is that your voice? Or is it, is it a voice of complaint? A voice that's negative? A voice filled with grudge? A voice filled with un, un, bitterness and unforgiveness? Or is it a voice filled, filled with grace and mercy and kindness? What voice is being heard in the midst of your story? I often refer to this as from the moment we are born to the moment we die, we're giving a piece of paper and a pen in hand and we're writing the various chapters to our book. And every point in our story or in the book, we turn the page to a new chapter. You know, like when you, you go through school and you're writing your book, then all of a sudden you graduate and you're moving into college You've just flipped the page to a new chapter. And then while in college, you meet a young lady or a young man and you, and you begin to date and you marry, flip. You just turned a new page, a new, a page to a new chapter. Our child is born, a house is bought, whatever a job is taken, ministries that are adopted, things that you have that become those pivotal mom moments of your life that become something. It's like you're turning the page to a new chapter. All throughout that book, your story is being told. And at the end and the conclusion of that book, when someone closes that book on the close of your life, will they be able to say, there's one thing about Benji, is the voice I heard inside his book was a voice that inspires me, encourages me, and helps me get through life. Or was it a voice that led people away? So what makes your voice be heard? I think it's this. Not that I think, I know it's this. It goes back to the song they just sung. It's all about knowing Jesus. Amen. That is what makes your voice heard louder and more uh, triumphant than anything else in life. Why is that? Because Jesus is not a, a God of, of, of unforgiveness. He's not a God of, of holding grudges. He's not a God of bitterness and anger. He's not a God of, who wants to create division. He is a God just the opposite of that. And when you and I know him and get to know him greater and greater each and every day of our life, the sweeter it becomes and the more powerful and more gentle and more loving the voice is through our story. I mean, what, what an opportunity that you and I carry every day of our life to share forth a wonderful voice. Now, there's a couple of voices I'd love to have. I'd love to have a singing voice. You know, I can, I can hold a tune in the shower as long as everybody stays away. I think I sound pretty good. I'd love to have a voice that, that could, could uh, you know, like the, the deep, raspy voice that causes you to tremble, like Moses on the stage of the Carolina Opry at Christmas time when he comes out and begins to quote the scriptures. It's almost as if you could hear a pin drop all throughout the audience. Those type voices. But the voice really is not about what we can do. It's about what people hear. And that voice has to be wrapped around the voice of God in our life. Psalm 55 
gives us a voice in the midst of the story that the psalmist gives. And when you read it, you're going to say, hmm, wow, thanks for the encouragement today. But in Psalm 55, hopefully as we get through it, you will understand it as I began to understand it. In Psalm 55, it says in verse 1, God, listen to my prayer and do not ignore my plea for help. Pay attention to me and answer me. I am restless and in turmoil with my complaint. Because of the enemy's voice and because of the pressure of the wicked, for they bring down disaster on me and harass me in anger. My heart shudders within me. Terrors of death sweep over me. Fear and trembling grip me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, if I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and find rest. How far away I would flee how would I stay in the wilderness? I would hurry to my shelter from the raging wind and the storm. Lord, confuse and confound their speech, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they make the rounds on the walls. Crime and trouble are within it. Destruction is inside it, oppression and deceit. They never leave its marketplace. Now, it is not an enemy who insults me, otherwise I would bear it. It is not a foe who raises up against me, otherwise I would hide from it. But it is you, a man who is my peer, my companion, a good friend. We used to have close fellowship. We walked with the crowd into the house of God. You can tell that's pre-coronavirus. Let death take them by surprise. Let them go down to Sheol alive because evil is in their homes and within them. But I call to God, and the Lord will save me. I complain, and I groan morning, noon, and night, and he hears my voice. Though many are against me, he will redeem me from my battle unharmed. God, the one enthroned from long ago, will hear and will humiliate them because they do not change and do not fear God. He acts violently against those at peace with him. He violates his covenant. His buttery words are smooth. His war is in his heart. His words are softer than oil, but they are drawn swords. And here's the key. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will support you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. You, God, will bring them down in the pit of destruction. Men of bloodshed, treachery, will live out half their days, but I will trust in you. I will trust in you. Listen to his voice. Do you see, you see what's happening? He's being honest with God. He's saying, God, I am angry. I am fearful. I have all this in my life. If I could run from it, I would. If I could fly away, I would. If I could go to the furthest part of the earth and never be seen again, I would. But I know that's not the solution. The solution is that I must put my trust and my faith in you and I must depend on you because that is my life. That is my goal. That is what I want in my life. This is all I am about. And I need you, God, to interact in my life to change the situation I'm in so I trust in you and I rest in you. God, I'm honest with everything about me. I do not like it, and I do not like it that you're, you're letting it happen, but I'm asking you, change it. That's his voice. His voice, his story is, is 
he would like to run, but his voice is very clear. He loves the Lord and he's staying with him, even though he don't like what he sees, even though he would like for it to change. It just will not happen. You know, music has a way to, to capture a heart. You know, it, it did this morning. We started singing, I'll fly away, and, and, and I thought you really were. And then, and then, and then we t- talk about knowing Jesus, and it's a more contemplating song. And you think about, okay, do I know Jesus more today than I did yesterday or last week or last month or last year? Because in the back of our minds, we know that it's so sweet in knowing who Jesus is. Those are the things that music does for us. It calls forth a response. Well, you realize the Psalms is, is basically the songbook of Israel. It's the songbook of Israel in the Messiah. And it causes us to see God in, in all the realness of life. And to know that God can be trusted with everything in life. That he can be trusted with, with all that we have. Even the emotions that we have as the psalmist gives forth the capturing moments of his emotions. Music is a way of capturing our emotions that we cannot express in in any other form. Think about some of your favorite songs and why you like them and what emotions that that come forth. There's a reason why the girl that gets dumped from her senior prom listens to the depressing songs while she eats the bucket of ice cream. Likewise, you'll seldom see a group of guys lifting weights and a a melodic sounds of splashing water and chirping birds. (laughs) Music's powerful. This is why God has captured the full range of human emotions into the songbook that we call the Psalms. And Psalm 55 is one of those Psalms. So let me talk about the call of Psalm 55. I'm going to give you two things to think about. The call of of Psalm 55. And it's a, you know, a psalm, as you've heard it read, is a psalm that captures the honesty of the psalmist to God. It's okay to be honest with God. If you are are mad, it's okay to be honest with God. If you are depressed, it's okay to be honest with God. If you are joyful and celebrative, It's okay to be so joyful and celebrative to God. It's okay to deal with, God can handle it. He is big enough and strong enough to handle you and me and to do it all at the same time. And so this call of Psalm 55 is that this psalm forces us to be real with God. Now, if you were to come over to my house and you said, now, Pastor, I'm just going to be as real as I can be. You know, automatically, there's a, little, there's a little radar that goes up, you know, a little defensiveness like, oh, my goodness, what's getting ready to be shared? You know, because we're human beings. We only can take so much. But with God, you don't have to worry about that. He can handle it. He's not going to say, hmm, take a few extra vitamins and call me in the morning. He's not going to do that. 
In fact, it probably will, probably will make his heart joyful if you will say to God, God, this is the realness of what I'm facing. He already knows it. He just wants you to get it out. And so it's okay to be real with God. And you look at verses 1 through 15, and you'll see that the psalm, the psalmist, was very real with God. As you go back and, and he says, pay attention to me and answer me. I'm restless and I'm in turmoil in my complaint. <laughs> in other words, he says, God, stop what you're doing in heaven and listen to this one lonely soul because if anything else, my life is bigger than anybody else's life right now because I'm dealing with this emotion and it is very hurtful. I'm in the greatest need of my life. God, will you listen to me? He's being real. He feels as if he is the only thing on the face of the earth. And he's being real. In the book that, that stated, that it's entitled, The God I Don't Understand, Christopher Wright bemoans of the lack of lament in our churches today. There's an, an implicit pressure to stifle the real feelings because we are urged by pious merchants of emotional denial. And we ought to have the faith, just like the moaning of this psalmist that says, I want to give, get out my emotions. I don't want to pretend that this voice within me is not real while hiding the real emotions that we're really struggling with deep within. You know, if someone comes to me and says, Pastor, I'm really angry. The problem is not the anger. Anger is this secondary emotion. The problem is what has gotten you angry. So let's go back to not why you're dealing with your anger. Let's go back to what made you angry. And more than likely, it has something to do with wrong action on either party or both. And so the same is with our emotions. It's not the moaning and the groaning and the complaining that's the problem. It's what's got us there is the problem. It's what's really we're feeding into our life that's controlling us. And so it's okay to be real with God because if we're real with God, we're going to get to the real point of it and we're going to say, God, I'm, I'm full of this emotion. I'm angry. But you know what? The reason why I'm angry is because of the sin in my life. Hmm. The reason why I'm complaining is because I created this. You see what happens? We get down to the core being of who we are in the realness of who we are and, and, and we're, we're, our, our voice to God, our story to God becomes a voice back to us that says the problem is not the emotion, the problem is what's behind it. And so thank you for being real because now we can get down to real business and get down to the core of what really makes you tick. And so it's okay to be real with God. He understands. We cannot rightly address the Psalms and continue to hide the real emotions. The Psalmist forces us to address the full range of emotions as we consider the Psalm and we see the strong, powerful emotions that David uses. He says, I am restless. I am, I am moaning. I'm in a desperate place in my life. 
He says, if I had the wings of a dove, I would fly away and you will never see me ever again. And I've had those moments, you know, oh man, I just wish I could just get away from this and get away from this particular environment or whatever and just fly away. And, and it, but he goes on to say his heart is in anguish. So as much as he flies away, his heart's not going to change. It's still going to be in anguish. He's still going to be dealing with the, the raw emotions. And so he is overcome with despair and he longs to have, to be able to fly away. Scripture calls us to weep with those who weep. The psalmist gives us an outline for doing just that. They give us words to our emotions in ways that, that bare phrases cannot give us in life. They force us to cast off the mask. Yes, Halloween's over. Take off the mask. It tells us to cast off the mask and to become real. To be real with God and to be honest with God in life. Now, this is a tough question. When was the last time you were honest with God? Nobody really to answer out loud. It's not a question out loud answer. But when, were you, when was the last time you were honest with God? That you really told Him what you thought? Again, it is not going to surprise Him. He already knows it. He knows everything about you. He just wants you to know it. He wants you to get it out. He wants you to get real because in the honesty, it will probably be revealed to us in our honesty what the real problem is. So it's okay to be real with God. I think the psalmist in Psalm 55 forces us and challenges us to do just that. Are you being real with God as you go on in your life as normal? Perhaps you've heard it said that that we are to drop all our burdens at the door of the church so that we can worship unhindered. But I want us to think the opposite. It's okay to bring all the burdens in the church, as heavy as they are, because you can leave here lighter because you learn to give it to Him. Be honest with God. Be real with God. The psalmist encourages us to be real with God no matter where we find ourselves and we cannot cast all our anxiety upon Him unless we first acknowledge that presence of that burden in our life. One of the most devastating times in my life but most life-changing moments in my life was through the death of my brother when I was so angry at God and I, I, I literally raised my fist to God, so angry, blaming him for all of that in my life, which was not in his fault. And I expressed my anger. And it was a pivotal point in my life because I was ready to throw in the towel and quit and walk away. Take this job and shove it type attitude. I was ready to, ca to th cash in. But it was during that time I realized that it was okay to be angry at the life situation. And in the midst of that anger, God soothed me. He comforted me. He came to me. His presence empowered me. It reassured me. It comforted me beyond anything I could ever expect. 
hope or even imagine. God is a God who deals with human emotion. He's created you and I, the people we are, to be in the image of who He is. So it's okay to be real with God. Number two and last, it's only a two-point message. You're thinking, wow, all right. The eggs and bacon are coming. All right. Number two we, is this. The psalmist forces us to, be, to, to rest in God. Not only to be real with God, but to rest in God. Now, I know every one of us knows what it's like to have a long day and be very tired. You may have had one of those days that you're up 24 hours or beyond, and you just couldn't get to the point where you could go rest because of the situation you're in or the tragedy or, the, or whatever it was. And then when you finally laid your head down, you sunk into that pillow, and you can't even remember. You just, in a flash, you were gone. And you woke up the next day, and you stretched. You sat on the side of the bed after all the snap, crackling, and popping. And you got up, and you thought, man, this feels good. I felt like I slept two days. Rest feels good for a weary body. The same that happens to our physical body is what must take place with our spiritual body. And so we must rest in God. Of course, the famous scripture is Jesus says to cast all your cares upon me and you will find rest. He will give us peace in the midst of all that. The psalmist says the same, that we can rest in God. The psalmist not only forces to be real with God, but also to rest in God. And yet you read in light of that rest, there's one word that jumps out one word that grabs us in verse 18. Though many are against me, he, God, will redeem me from my battle unharmed. Now you get the picture that there's a physical battle, but there's more than just a physical battle going on in the heart, in the heart and the life of David. There is a spiritual battle. There's a spiritual warfare going on in David's life and he is in battle, and he is, he's, 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 ra he's really wrestling with God or wrestling with God, whatever part of the country from. He is trying to, to, to get it out. And he's saying, he says, now, he will redeem me. He knows without a shadow of a doubt that even in all this realness and all this that he needs in his life, there is redemption that only God can give. There's a lot of things that can help us. There's a lot of friendships, a lot of self-help books. There's a lot of scripture. There's a lot of things that can help us, soothe us. But there's nothing like when you know and I know that the spirit of the living God who is actively present with us in this world and is every moment of the day, never has a sleeping moment, is a God who redeems us from what we're, whatever we're facing in life. He redeems us and gives us hope. He helps us to see beyond the darkness into the light. Redemption. Well, when we are redeemed, we are rested. The brokenness of our humanity and the, the, the unstableness of our heart becomes a puzzle put back together in all that brokenness to something that becomes very beautiful and we have a steadfast trust that is beyond measure. That's the psalmist, realizing that God is the one who has enthroned his life 
and he is invited to join God in all that God is up to in life. He realizes that God is not finished yet with him. I'm thankful that he's still working on me and he's still working on you. He's got the whole world in his hands and he's still working on the masterpieces. He is still helping us turn the page to a new chapter in our life as we continue to write our story. And he is a God who relishes in the fact that our voice is heard and it's a voice that brings people to the understanding that it's okay to be real with God, to be honest with God. And as we are real and honest with God, you and I, as we place our steadfast trust in Him, will find rest. We'll find peace. We'll find joy. We'll find redemption. We'll find the opportunity to live life to its fullness in the abundance that He has desired for all of us to have. Rest is what God wants to give us. There's no other place in which we can find ultimate rest than in God himself. You know, when I stand before people in a funeral setting, you, you as a pastor in spirit, you know that there's a lot of unrest going on in the room. Why? Because people are brokenhearted. Rightly so. They're facing uh, a moment in life that is unwelcomed. Even though we all know that it is once appointed for all of us to die. And there's a one in one chance that you're going to die. We're going to have, it's going to happen. We, we know that, but it still doesn't change the fact that when we're sitting there in a room and we're saying goodbye for the last time to our loved one with a collective group of people of our family and friends and church, it still hurts. You find a lot of unrest. And we know that that unrest continues for several weeks and several months called grief. There's a lot of unrest. But then something happens. And when I stand there many times, I'm so at unrest, an unrestful state. And when, when God's peace invades the presence of who we are at that moment, it's almost as if even, if our, even as our hearts are still broken and we're crying on the inside and outside, there's still a hovering of peace that falls over us. It's almost like, thank you, God, for giving me rest in the midst of this brokenness of my life. That's God at work. That's God willing to help us find rest in the broken and rebellious world of difficulty that we live in today. The psalmist calls us not only to be real with our suffering, but to cast our burdens upon the Lord. And are we doing both? Are we being honest with God and real and are we casting our burdens upon Him? Do you have a tendency to minimize your suffering? under the guise of, of, or disguise of trusting in God? Or do you have the tendency to focus on suffering at the expense of trust? You know, God is a God who can handle whatever emotion and whatever you and I are facing. The Psalms are the songbook of the redeemed. 
So when you look at all of these Psalms, what is it going to lead us to? Is it going to lead us further away from God or is it going to lead us to God? And the psalmist leads us to God. It's leading us to our redemption. And so the conclusion is that when we dive into these psalms, such as Psalm 55, and if we identify with the real emotions and the anger and all that we're going through, we realize in the end of Psalm 55, David says, cast your burdens on the Lord and he will support you. Why? Because David learned to cast his burden upon God and he found rest. That's why he could proclaim that. So there is rest. There is redemption in the midst of all we're facing. This is because only believers in Christ know Jesus as the one who is the hope to which the Psalms point, the Messiah. The Psalms cry out to unbelievers to find hope in God. And more specifically, they call unbelievers to trust in David's Lord of Psalm 110, you'll find. For believers, the psalm gives us a voice to our story. It's a voice of redemption. It's a voice of hope. It's a voice of love and grace. It's a voice of forgiveness. It's a voice that says, I love you regardless of who you are, and I can put up with you regardless of what you do. It is a voice that says, I believe beyond your uh, wretchedness that God is a God who can raise you up and you can become somebody. I believe, and it's a voice that says, God is a God who's in control of this world and he's in control of everything around me. It's a voice to our story that says that God is real and he's not a cosmic killjoy removed, but an active present God in our life. It is a voice that you and I have for everyday life that brings forth hope to the people around us. We all have a story, but do we all have a voice that we want to be heard? Are you being real with God? Are you resting in God? You can smell the bacon, can't you? And the eggs are frying because we're getting down to the last couple of questions. Are you being real with God? And are you resting in God? If you're not being real with God, you will not find rest. If you're not resting in God, it might be because you're not real with Him. So the two go hand in hand, doesn't it? The great news of Psalm 55, the conclusion of it, is that concluding few verses in verse 22 where David says, hey, what I've learned in all of this turmoil that I'm going through and all these emotions that I've expressed, there's one thing I did learn. I've learned to cast my burden. I've learned to cast everything that's within me upon God. And I understand that in casting that upon Him, I find rest, I find support, I find courage and encouragement. Because He never allows the righteous, to be shaken. It is never God's intention to bring calamity in your life or in mine. It's never God's intention to see us fail. He wants us to succeed. It's never God's intention to cause us to run away. He wants us to run to Him faster. It's never God's intentions for us to turn our back, but He wants us to face Him face to face. 
It's always God's intentions for the best for your life and mine. But it has something to do with realness and resting. And will you do both? Father God, we call upon you and we know that you are a God who can take the burdens of our heart and the frailties of our mind and the brokenness of our spirit and you can bring life back into these areas and bring us hope. Lord, I'm thankful that in the revealing of all the realness around us that you reveal to us what the problem really is. I'm thankful, God, that you allow us to see the problem, to repent from it, and to change. To do better tomorrow than we've done the day before. And to be a better person the next day than we were the week before. That you allow us to learn the lessons of life, even though we deal with the consequences of choices, but we able to see hope in the midst of that circumstance. Father, I'm thankful that you allow us to be real so that we can understand our own realness and move to the area of where rest really is and the power of your spirit as it soothes us in all of the turmoil of our heart. Father, thank you for allowing us to once again cast our burdens upon you and to find peace. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to call you friend and to realize that we have relationship with you that's very intimate and very personal. Thank you, Father, for understanding everything about us, even the desires of our hearts. Even when those desires are not, they're contrary to yours. You still love us in hopes that you move us to help us to see where our desires get in line with yours. Father, thank you for being faithful to us. In your name that we pray, amen. It's a friend.
And I know he watches